Hi everybody and welcome to episode 3 of the Optics Warehouse podcast. I'm your host James and today I'm joined by one of my sales colleagues, Mr Adrian Pierce. Adrian, thank you very much for uh, for coming on today. You're welcome, no problem. Um, so Adrian has been a man of the trade for a substantial amount of time now and um, today we're just going to learn a bit about what he thinks has maybe changed over the, over the past decade or so. I mean he's flipped between shooting and fishing and fishing and shooting. I mean, over the best part of nearly two decades now. So uh, hopefully, if anyone knows anything about what's uh, what's happening in the trade, then it is going to be this uh, this man here. So um, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for coming on today, mate. No um, so obviously, you've you've been with optics for for quite a few years now. Uh, obviously, since when JP started up, um, before, God knows how long ago he started up. Now I can't remember. Many years, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so I mean, let's just start with optics warehouse themselves. I mean, how have you? How have you seen it evolve over, over the over the few years that since oh, you started? Uh, uh, exponentially. I mean, uh, when I first joined, you got to remember. I think there was uh, four or five of us. So you had Lisa, Sean, uh, JP, and Rob, Rob mm. Foster, um, and then I come in. So we had pretty much the five of us, and it really was, you know, the the epitome of a family firm. Um, and you look where we've gone in six years to the buildings we have, the size turnover, mm. um, the f- physical amount of staff. Yeah. Um, absolutely, you know, exploded out of all expectation for yeah. me anyway. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is, uh, as I say, when I come here, because it was that family firm, mm. um, what we've always tried to maintain is that family firm feel still yeah you know a lot of firms tend to lose that they get to a certain size and you just become another number another member of staff not yeah. at optics warehouse no, know, no we, we okay. treat everyone is either you know friends related family which is nice so everyone you know pretty much already knows everyone and uh, it makes for a good working atmosphere no fair enough no, so you make, make a good point as i say obviously i managed to i got into optics myself through um obviously knowing knowing various people in the company and whatnot so yeah it is it's right it is it certainly is that <coughs> excuse me that sort of that that friendly family atmosphere and it is quite a nice makes it does make it quite a nice place to uh, to uh, to work i mean so obviously as I said, you've been been in other places in the trade um beforehand i mean as i say what, what is it now how, how long have you been in doing various bits and uh, 25 years <laughs> uh, i think i was mid-20s uh personally all started off really um uh, used to do a lot of fishing got into mm. uh, what was then uh, the, the sportsman fishing which was separate from the sportsman guns mm-hmm. um, uh, that then transpired into going working with the sportsman as in the gun side mm-hmm. uh, with Gary um, then in and out with we had our own fishing side to the business mm. uh, but I was still always around the gun environment yeah, and what yeah. was going on being part of the same firm um, so yeah, quite a few years. No, no, excellent, excellent stuff. Obviously, say so you mentioned the, the fishing side. You are are still quite a keen fisherman yourself, aren't you? So uh, not yeah. so much nowadays, um, but uh, yeah, that was predominantly my um, my forte mm. and how I got into you know the yeah, side yeah. of the business. Um, you know, with regards to shooting, uh, you know, I occasionally uh, got invites to go out with people, blamping, yeah. bit of rabbiting, whatever. Yeah. I'm not. I really had the time or land for my own firearms, yeah. up, you know, over the air rifles. Obviously, the nice thing about the air rifle side is it, uh, you, you've still got the same legalities where you go, yeah, yeah, but yeah. of course, it's you know a lot less 
um, a lot easier, sorry, to keep at home and like, yeah. go by air rifle and go out, you know, big gardens where you've got permission and it's safe to do so. Yeah, so yeah. the air rifle for me, um, on the hunting side, I wasn't so much mm. interested in the, the target side of things, um, but for the hunting, the rabbits and pigeons, yeah. you know, who doesn't like that? I think there's, uh, you know, the freedom it offers you to walk around, fresh air, exercise, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, and obviously a lot of people benefit from the prey itself and actually, you know, rather than uh, like any shooting discipline, you mm. know, using what you shoot as well, you know, yeah. cooking it, whatever, so, yeah. No, fair enough, as I say, it's, just, it's interesting to see why different people do get into, uh, for different reasons, why you get into the trades, I mean, obviously from a personal point of view, I, said I was, as soon as I left school, I became a gamekeeper and then went on from there, so to speak. Um, so, <coughs> I guess it was similar to me. It's yeah. because of the fishing. I spent most weekends spending mm. vast amounts of money in the fishing shop. Yeah, yeah. The same as you would spend a lot of weekends spending vast amount of money in the gun shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Invariably, you get drawn into that atmosphere and end yeah. up working there. So mm. it's a similar yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It's the same. Obviously, very similar to myself. Obviously, we we started like in terms of gun side, more the shotgun based sort of things. Mm. Obviously, so with sportsmen, it's obviously quite a fast place there. But as I say. So obviously moving on to, to optics itself, and say obviously the company has moved on quite substantially, as you say, over the Massively, past five, six yeah. years or so. I mean, in terms of the technology, yes, I can speak maybe from the night vision thermal side, yes, it's improved vastly. But I mean, from the actual, the day optics, the quality, I mean, there seems to be certainly a, a bigger, a broader range of optics out there now. Uh, there is, I think that's the same with a lot of trades. What you seem to have... Uh, not lost, but back 15, 20 years ago, it was what I'd call your established close school brands, i.e. Mm. Leupold, Minox, Beocta. Mm. Um, and a good optic doesn't stop becoming a good optic. No, no. Um, but I think, like everybody nowadays, um, all these uh, fresh firms have come in, the likes of Athlon, Cytron, Element, to name but a few, plenty of others. And... The old school brands, I think, optically are fantastic, but either in terms of uh, what they offer, sometimes in magnification mm. or specifications. Yeah. Uh, some people may argue otherwise, but they don't seem to have quite moved with the times. No. Whereas now, um, you know, uh, a lot of manufacturers offer a sort of mid-range scope, a six twenty-four, five twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. So it's got the magnification to cover. Uh, all in every aspect yeah, you're probably yeah. likely to do in the UK. <clears throat> uh, choice of uh, modern reticles, either yeah. MOA or mill-based, mm. um, and probably most important, where a lot of the old-school scopes um, didn't have, um, was the parallax or the low parallax capabilities mm. to come down again. So what customers now want is almost to walk into a shop, pick a scope up, that can sit on their 177 air rifle yeah. and they can virtually go and take that off, put it on their 308 and shoot a thousand yards with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that seems to be the way, I think that's probably as much customer driven through versatility yeah. of, of the product. They don't want to go out and buy three scopes for no, three exactly, different disciplines. Yeah. And I think that's probably more customer driven than brand. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. No, 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 and it makes complete sense. I say ex exactly what you mean on that. Yeah, so at the end of the day, if you can get a scope that does everything, then yeah, it's going to be certainly it's going to help you help you along the way, really. I mean, you talk about obviously the versatility, as I say, we speak about again like 10 years or so ago, like your, your big big brands, your big German brands and whatnot. As I say, I think now for the fact that you can get a scope that's 60 pounds um, just to stick onto your air rifle and whatnot, it's just going to get you going, so to speak. 
Um, and then also yeah, you can yeah. go right up to sort of thousands and thousands and thousands. Uh, you, just... you, there's many scopes. We'll, we'll do anything, yeah. I think. Um, you know, we get asked, as you'll know yourself, obviously, on the many phone calls a day we have, um, uh, you know, why you need to spend more on mm. optics. Um, that tends to come, I think, sometimes with either low light capability on the hunted mm. side mm. or perhaps on pure optical quality for, for the greater distances. Yeah. Obviously, a uh, a five to twenty-five at uh, fifty yards on an mm. air rifle hasn't quite got to deliver. It's got to deliver good optical performance, but yeah. not at a thousand yards no. in haze, varying light conditions. Yeah. You know that's a whole different ballgame, yes. and you know it's just trying to portray to the, the, the customers, you know, how and why that money goes in, and why yeah, they yeah. should maybe decide their decision. You take, um, you know, years ago. Uh, especially from a hunting background, you know, a, a Schmidt and Bender six by forty two, eight by fifty six, you know, fixed power. Um, they were the staple scope because mm. they were simple, optically very good, nothing to break on them. No. Um, but they didn't offer that versatility, no. and that kind of, again today, I think has killed the fixed power as a, a prime seller. Yeah. I mean, SWFA and some uh, other brands still offer them. Um, but predominantly the fixed power seems to have found its way into target disciplines rather than a, a day-to-day yes, hunting yeah, scope. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, only for the reason it doesn't, to most people, offer the, the flexibility and versatility. Yeah. Yeah. Versatility. Utility. Versatility, yeah. No, no, that's, 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 that's very fair. I mean, you're making a lot, of good, a lot of good points on that one. I mean, as well as the scopes uh, evolving themselves, of course, rifles and shotguns, they've all advanced in technology. I know we don't deal so much with that side, but of course, in order to get the scope on the rifle, you've got your mounts. Um, so various different brands have come around and about, about round about a bit and whatnot. Um, so you used to have like your standard like tier ones used to be like like the best thing going on the market, so to speak. But obviously now you've got higher brands, quick release brands. I've certainly uh, quick release mounts have certainly come more into fashion again. Just like tying in with that versatility of using a scope across. All, all three, um, all three rifles, or so. Absolutely, and I think th- the biggest thing nowadays, um, which benefits um, essentially, I think the shop, the retailer, uh, certainly the customer, mm. to a degree. If you go back, you know, probably not much more than five plus years mm. ago, six plus years ago, yeah. you take it as a as a retailer like us or any any other shop in the UK or worldwide, indeed. Yeah. Um, what they'd physically have to keep in terms of mounts, mm. they would have to keep specialist fitments like CZ yes. and Ruger and, yeah, yeah. and Seiko. You then, aside of that, you've then got to keep one inch, 30 mil, 34 yeah, mil. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, if you took that physical outlay for the uh, you know each and every shop, it, it was a, a job to try and keep something for every occasion. Yes, yeah. And I think the best thing, uh, certainly that we found since I've been here uh, optics six years um, the biggest single uh, improvement I think has been the vast array of Picatinny rail conversions yes so yeah, yeah. of course you know the first thing and probably the easiest way to do for any customer now uh, there isn't much on the market that you cannot get a Picatinny rail yeah. conversion for mm. Put that on, um, you know, uh, for the price they are, they, they mm. do it fantastically well, and then you've just got that standard Picatinny fitment across all platforms. Yeah. And it makes, uh, with the advent, going to night vision and digital. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, anything tube-mounted obviously falls under the same remit as an optical scope generally, mm. but of course a lot of the night visions that have the built-in or middle mounted clamps yes 
obviously that's where the problem comes so even with those on a Picatinny rail it just eases that fitment yeah, across the board so I think the single biggest thing really uh, you know other than quality or brands or price yeah. really has been this advent of uh, the Picatinny rail conversion mm. I'd have to say over the since I've been here certainly yeah well, so it's, it's interesting you say it so obviously I've, been, I've not been well I've say I've been shooting for the best part of a decade or so and all I've really known is to have a Picatinny rail and so it's, it's interesting that you say that so it's so from what you've what you've just said, you'd see you'd say comfortably that Picatinny rails have become more and more common, and therefore an easier solution for for rifle shooters. Oh, mass- massively! I think the trouble is it was seen, you know, going back probably a few years as a as a you know a tactical style. People mm. perhaps didn't like the look of it. Mm. Um, you know, it was reserved for range rifles or yeah. military rifles, yeah. and the, the, you know, two piece bases were far more in keeping with a high grade rifle. Yeah. And I can see that. But uh, when you offset that against the simplicity of, of, of you know, future-proofing yourself on yeah, your yeah. platform, uh, absolutely no reason, you know, not to. So uh, I think as, you know, most most guns or a lot of guns now are supplied either with it built in or uh, certainly as an addition. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, going back to the rails, obviously what a rail can offer you that it's not so easy to do in the two-piece ring, certainly, yeah. apart from the burrises or one-piece mounts, is, is MOA. Mm. A lot of customers now may want to take that rifle, um, you know, their 223, you know, mm. which is for foxing or yeah. whatever. They might only go a range day once a year, mm. or they might have, be blessed with, you know, a big enough bit of land to mm. go and have a day's yeah, of course, push, yeah. pushing their outfit out. Yeah. So of course, you know the benefit of a rail. Also, you can buy extra uh, twenty MOA variants. Yes, yeah, and really. So where their outfit and their optics may not have that capability, mm. it's quite easy to to sort now and uh, yeah. put a rail on and, and and gain that versatility. Yeah, no, absolutely, no, I, I, no, I completely agree with that. It's um, as I say, it, 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 from what we've what we've got from this is that there's just a, a huge amount of versatility now on the market in terms of the scopes, the mounting solutions. So it's, it's all there. Everything should be available to a plethora of different Pretty customers. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, I think so. I so, mean, we, it's yeah. not often we get caught with without a solution. Yeah, I mean, but, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, I'll ask you just, just one final question. I mean, if you were to have any scope from the shop, whether it be day, night vision, thermal, whatever it be, I mean, what would it be and why? <coughs> um, probably, uh, personally, uh, again, from a, a versatility point of view, uh, if price were no option not because it's you know uh, expensive but if i had to choose one scope certainly of the the scopes that i've been in, involved in selling or seeing since i've been here at optics um it's still got to be a delta striker really for, yeah. you know there's no one scope that's kind of uh, hit the market running um, mm. you know uh, the only improvement they made since it's been out is the addition of locking turrets yeah of course yeah, yeah um it's the only thing that it was missing um you know as a singular scope uh, to parallax down, you know, ten yards for the air rifle guys. Mm. Put on a fifty cal to, you know, shoot out exactly, two mile. Yeah. Uh, it, it's got anything and everything on it, and it really does, you know, for the people who, uh, you know, sixteen hundred odd quid still an exactly, awful lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But it's not two, three thousand no. pounds. And no. uh, so yeah, if I had to single out probably a favourite scope for versatility, value for money. Um, it'd have to be the Delta Striker. I think there's many people who couldn't argue with that, really. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Well, Percy, thank you very much for coming on today. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, no it's been interesting to hear, obviously, how you think the trade's been over the past um, 
500 years you've been in it, so it's... Yeah, uh, 501. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, again, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome, um, no problem. Uh, so, yeah, um, don't forget, guys, obviously, to um, to like and subscribe to our to our channel, obviously, on whatever platform you're listening to. I so say this has been the um, the third episode, uh, obviously, with uh, my guest, Mr. Adrian Pierce, learning about how the trade has, has changed um, over the past dec- few decades or so. Hope you enjoyed this one, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you next week. Thank you very much.